Hello and welcome to the IMB podcast brought to you by the Communications Office and Student Media Cell of IIM Bangalore. The new podcast series aims to become a platform to discuss the latest business, economic, management and social issues that matter. The podcast will witness IIM Bangalore fraternity including but not limited to the faculty members, students and alumni provide their insights and perspectives to the topics and issues that surround us. Day-by-day worsening air quality index in cities has been a widespread cause of concern. Among the many culprits responsible for poor air quality, vehicle pollution is a unanimous favorite. In order to counter the menace of vehicle pollution, multiple solutions have been suggested, such as pushing for higher adoption of public transport, carpooling, opting to walk or ride a bike for shorter distances. But among these, electric vehicles or EVs have gained momentum and are touted as the most sustainable and environmentally friendly solution. In this episode of the podcast, Professor Ganesh Prabhu details different aspects of EVs such as manufacturing and supply chain, the role of different stakeholders and challenges in adoption. Any discussion around EVs is never complete without alluding to Tesla. And Professor Prabhu helps us understand how Elon Musk managed to make Tesla a market leader in EVs. Welcome Professor Ganesh Prabhu to the IMB podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here with us for this episode. Thank you for uh, inviting me for this uh, episode. Thank you, sir. So, Professor, let us start with a brief history of electric vehicles in India to set the context of the past and present state of electric mobility in the country. In your opinion, what are the significant events or efforts that have impacted the adoption of e-vehicles in India in the positive and the negative sense? Yeah, uh, so we have uh, three types of electric vehicles in India, the two-wheelers, three-wheelers and the four-wheelers. Uh, actually, it started with the four-wheelers uh, from Reva, which was the first company starting in 1998. Uh, Chetan started the Reva project in Bangalore. And a few years later, in 2005, we had the first uh, two-wheeler uh, from uh, Eco Vehicles, which was a, again a, a company based in Bangalore, which had uh, launched the first uh, electric two-wheeler. And then uh, three-wheelers have been um, a much more recent development. Uh, once the uh, lithium-ion batteries have come in, the three-wheelers have become a commercially, a commercially viable option and uh, three-wheelers have started after that. So in terms of two-wheelers, in 2005, the eco-vehicles launched their first two-wheeler. And then in 2008, we had the launch from uh, TVS, uh, of the TVS uh, electric vehicle. And then uh, subsequently, uh, Hero uh, came into the picture. Hero electric vehicles have been around for quite some time now. Uh, They have not uh, stopped the production. However, Eco Vehicles uh, stopped production. TVS also stopped production of its uh, original uh, electric vehicle. And more recently, we have had uh, new introductions in the two-wheeler uh, business where uh, we had uh, Hero, uh, Hero, of course, had been uh, keep, uh, had been running its two-wheelers uh, all the all the time. They have moved from the lead-acid uh, batteries, the gel batteries, to the lithium-ion batteries. But more recently with lithium-ion, uh, we have uh, Aether, we have uh, the TVS uh, new product, and uh, there is a Bajaj product. So there are three um, uh, vehicles at the top of the top end of the spectrum. Then there are a number of uh, other vehicles in the two-wheeler business, which are in lower configuration vehicles, which are available at much lower prices, but they have a lower range and they have a lower speed and so on. Uh, In the three-wheeler side, uh, a few companies have come in. Uh, They are relatively small companies. They typically sell these vehicles uh, as e-rickshaws in some of the smaller towns in India. It is not really popular in the big cities. And of course, the four-wheeler business has uh, more or less stayed with Reva right from the beginning. Uh, In 20 years, they have been uh, doing uh, electric vehicles. And then in the more recent years, there are a number of introductions from some of the other uh, uh, companies like Tata's and so on. So uh, that uh, has happened in the more recent past. Uh, Once the lithium ion batteries became viable, a number of uh, vehicle opportunities came in. 
and all the three are now uh, fairly popular in terms of new product introduction. Thank you for sharing this with us, uh, Professor. I think it was quite surprising to know that the journey actually began with the four wheeler segment. Uh, the next question is uh, about the uh, government incentives and government interventions. So we just wanted to, uh, 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 the question is basically that uh, the government intervention was playing a key role in speeding up the adoption of EVs in India. In your assessment, which are the areas where the government has done well and which are the areas that still need significant efforts? Well, uh, the government has primarily been giving, been giving uh, subsidies for electric vehicles. That also is a fairly recent activity because when the lead acid battery vehicles were being sold, there was no uh, subsidy actually given. In fact, it was not even required at that time because the lead acid based uh, vehicles were not very expensive. For example, most of the vehicles were within 15,000 to 30,000 uh, bracket. So it was not really out of reach of uh, somebody who was interested in buying this vehicle. But uh, once the lead acid batteries were replaced by lithium ion batteries, that's where the cost of the batteries went up and uh, the cost of uh, some of the other parts which are important in the vehicle, such as the controller uh, and the motor also, they were improved products being launched. And that of course raised the price of the vehicle. So. Uh, the vehicle became a minimum of 60,000 uh, to start with. The very lowest configuration uh, lithium-ion vehicle would cost at least 60,000. And that's where the subsidies became a requirement. And that's how uh, the government also initiated giving subsidies. So no subsidies were given ever for lead-acid batteries, but uh, subsidies were being given for uh, lithium-ion batteries, um, which, which has started in the recent past, I would say about five years or six years from, from now. So that's the main role that the government has played. Other than that, uh, the government uh, could uh, you know, emphasize on uh, how utilizing the electric vehicle can be uh, facilitated. So for example, um, allowing for easy charging of electric vehicles in, in public locations, uh, in housing colonies, you know, people who have electric vehicles have problems getting clearances from housing colonies for installing a charger in, in their housing colony. Similarly, there have been issues with uh, people getting clearances to put a charger in their office uh, premises. So some of these uh, could be facilitated, which can actually make it easier. So for example, if an office allows you to charge your vehicle while you are in the office, that can be a benefit for a lot of users. And uh, the office, uh, of course, the issue becomes who pays for the charging, how much is being charged, all those issues are there. But if the office takes it as something that they are encouraging people to charge their vehicle for free in the office and use it, you know, that type of uh, incentive can be uh, quite good if it is introduced in offices and uh, housing colonies also. There are uh, recent legislations which say that housing colonies cannot prevent people from putting up a charging outlet. But then uh, I don't know whether it's very well known, this type of uh, uh, ruling. And uh, they still there are a lot of uh, electric vehicle users who have trouble getting clearances from the housing colony for setting up a charger. If it's an independent house, then it's very easy to do it. But if you are staying as, as a rent uh, on rent or you're staying in a colony, it becomes more difficult. Uh, right, Professor. So I think the government's uh, incentives and programs like FAME uh, have been in the right direction. But as you rightly pointed out, there can be other infrastructure development that they can, they can kind of take up, which can push for this uh, particular cause. Uh, so, sir, our next question is about the adoption in the general public. So the yeah. current environmental scenario needs a much accelerated adoption rate of green transportation. So what critical steps need to be taken to increase the variety of products being sold in the market, the faster development of the infrastructure and larger adoption by the general public? Well, uh, electric vehicles are not necessarily green in the true sense of the term. It's just that the pollution in the cities is reduced by electric vehicles but then the pollution happens somewhere else. 
So when you are uh, when you are generating electricity, there may be pollution involved. For example, if you are using a coal to generate electricity and so on. But wherever possible, uh, if electricity is being generated in a green manner and then it is used on an electric vehicle, it becomes a green option. So electric vehicles are um, that way good in the sense that they certainly reduce the pollution uh, by the vehicle in the city, which of course brings down smog and so on. Uh, but uh, what really can help is uh, this, what I already mentioned about uh, enabling home charging and uh, office charging. That's where you know people are going to be uh, present for a long period of time because typically charging uh, takes a long time. Fast chargers are an option, but they are typically used only for emergencies. So uh, a lot of uh, fast chargers have been installed in various parts uh, of the city by some of the electric vehicle companies. But uh, users are not very keen on using fast chargers on a regular basis because it actually reduces the life of the battery. Once in a while, if you are uh, if you run out of charge due to being careless or because you had a long run to do on that particular day due to some emergency or something, you might be willing to charge it at a fast charger. But otherwise, the slow charging, which is at home or office, is the preferred mode. And therefore, if you have a charger at home and a charger at office, it becomes very convenient for you to use an electric vehicle uh, on a consistent basis. You don't depend. You don't have to depend on a um, availability of a public charger. So it's like if you if you have a cell phone, you typically want to use your own charger to charge the cell phone. You don't want to plug it into a public charger in some uh, restaurant or some uh, in the airport and so on, because you may be worried about what might happen to your uh, vehicle, to your phone when you use a public charger. It's a very similar scenario here. Uh, people don't want to use public chargers because it might impact the vehicle negatively, even if it is uh, it doesn't have uh, power fluctuations or any such problem. It may still not be very good for the vehicle battery. So uh, that's really uh, the the big thrust has to be on allowing and enabling home charging and uh, office charging. So that can that can make a difference. And uh, that then of course a lot more people are likely to adopt electric vehicles. Right now that becomes a barrier. You say if I have to charge at home and then I go to office and by, by the time I come back, I might run out of charge. That becomes a concern for people who are traveling long distances uh, to office. Short distance, it works perfectly well. Uh, the current vehicles can give you a range of 50, 60 kilometers. Uh, most of them can give you that sort of range. Some of the cheaper ones may give you a range of 30, 35 kilometers, uh, but you can decide which one you want to buy based on how much you typically need to travel. In this particular case, Professor, then maybe the standardization of charges, uh, you know, if there's a push from government in that respect would help. So that kind of brings me to the next question uh, about the interaction of different stakeholders uh, and uh, the uh, the possible impact. So uh, the adoption of EVs will require a cohesive effort from the central and state governments as well as the uh, automobile mo uh, manufacturers. So in your opinion, how can these two important stakeholders work in a united manner to aid the adoption? Do they have dependencies on the major privately owned automobile manufacturers? Well, uh, one of the issues is the standardization of the charging port itself. So there is no standardization. Each company has its own design for the charging port. So what will work on one vehicle does not work on another. So that has not yet been done. Of course, some uh, some companies have agreed to work with a similar type of a charging port. So if you put up public charging stations, but the charging ports are not uh, uh, standardized, it may not be very useful. So and you don't want a situation where you go to a charging station which you have never been to before and you find that the charging port there doesn't work for you. Uh, other issue is that uh, some of these charging stations are not well maintained. So uh, the product, uh, the, the charging station itself may not be in uh, working condition and you realize that only after you reach there. That's the reason why a lot of people are reluctant to depend on external charging stations. So 
the best option is really to charge at home and go and uh, not use the vehicle for long distance travel. So even if you have a car which says and the car claims to have 200 kilometers range and so on, that's not necessarily good enough for you to decide to go on a trip which is about 200 kilometers because in the in in between if you have a problem uh, nothing much can be done about it uh, uh, there is uh, is there's no charging station available you'll have to have somebody come in to tow your vehicle and so on so uh, it's not really a good option as of now to go for a really long distance travel unless you have some sort of a backup to to make that happen or you are sure that you have inter, uh, in, uh, intermediate locations where charging stations are available in good working condition, which you can use. So some people have attended long distance journeys, but then they have made uh, arrangements in advance. So for example, they know somebody in a particular town, which is halfway on the route, and they know that they can meet that person, charge in their house, and then go further. So those type of uh, options are uh, what uh, people have tried. But uh, obviously it is risky because um, unlike a petrol vehicle where you can get it repaired anywhere, you can fill petrol anywhere, um, this is uh, tough to deal with. Uh, in, in the US also, uh, people have uh, had problems. For example, if you're caught on a highway uh, and your uh, vehicle is running out of charge, but you have to run the AC because it's cold outside, so you have to run the heater inside the vehicle. So if you run the heater inside the vehicle, um, the the battery will keep going down. And you, if you are stuck in traffic and the battery runs out, you are you can't move. So uh, these are the sort of issues that people have faced with electric vehicles, especially if they are going for long distances. So um, you have uh, you have multiple types of issues here. Uh, some of them are related to how the vehicle is being used. Some of them are related to what is the type of infrastructure available, uh, whether there are some ways by which these infrastructure can be regulated and maintained in good shape. Um, so all these are ways, uh, are issues that need to be resolved over a period of time. Uh, I don't know whether the central government, state government can work together, but some type of legislation or some type of standardization could help in making this uh, happen. And those standardizations need not be imposed by the government. It could be something that is done by all the companies working together and saying we will uh, arrive at a, uh, at a common standard for you know, charging ports or uh, how do you maintain a charging station or how charging stations will work in terms of charging the customer for using their uh, facility and so on. Professor, we would now want to digress the discussion towards the automobile manufacturers uh, and my next question alludes to them. So what are some of the factors which are keeping incumbents to come up with a larger number of offerings in the e-vehicle segment? Do they fear losing the market share to the conventional automakers? Why are startups leading the market? Well, actually, um if you look at uh, electric four-wheelers, it's a slightly complex product. But if you look at two-wheelers and uh, three-wheelers, a lot of the products which are in the market are fairly uh, simple products, simple in terms of uh, their construction. And many of them have been introduced by buying a kit from abroad. So uh, China is a major manufacturer of electric vehicles. You can buy a kit from uh, China and then assemble the product here and sell it. Now that has been what has been done right from 2005 uh, when uh, Eco Vehicles launched their vehicle. They also had bought most of the components from China. They had, of course, to make some modifications of the product to suit the Indian conditions, which are not exactly in line with the Chinese uh, road conditions. So they made some modifications, but most of the parts were actually imported from China and they were assembled and uh, sold here. So. Uh, to do that uh, does not cost too much and therefore for example the eco vehicles factory was just one large room in which the assembly would happen and uh, that's all they needed uh, to to have that was the factory which was releasing uh, so many vehicles every day right so it was not really something that needed a large amount of money uh, so startups could get into this of course, the, the new type of startups which have come in in the market, uh, for example, Aether 
are doing a much, much larger project. They are evolving the vehicle in terms of every part being self-designed and manufactured specifically for the electric vehicle without necessarily using parts which have been developed for other vehicles or importing parts from other manufacturers. So they are doing everything from scratch and therefore the, their investment is very, very large compared to some of the other companies which have entered the market. But most of the companies which are now in the two-wheeler and three-wheeler business are actually using imported kits and uh, launching the product. And some of them are, of course, making some changes in the product based on the feedback that they are getting from their early customers. So that's how the uh, business has developed. The major uh, um, companies which have launched electric vehicles are, of course, Bajaj and TVS in the two-wheelers. They have introduced their own um, high-end two-wheelers, you can say, um, and that happened in the last one year. So those two are, of course, um, both of them are uh, well-designed vehicles which have been uh, created based on a lot of research in the market, uh, based on a lot of uh, self-development of uh, various parts in the vehicle, especially the software has to be developed specifically for each vehicle. And then there is an important activity, which is the battery management. So how the battery is utilized by the vehicle and how the charge is managed in the vehicle so that it gives you a sufficient range as well as sufficient power. Those are some of the areas where a lot of uh, improvements have been made and the new vehicles uh, represent uh, the culmination of some of the work done to make this happen. So, uh, so the major parts in the vehicle where improvements have happened is battery management and the software. And of course, the uh, transition has happened from uh, some of the Leon batteries have become much, much better over a period of time. So that has, of course, uh, improved the performance of these vehicles. The cost of Leon batteries has also come down quite a bit uh, over a period of time, uh, which makes the vehicles viable uh, over a period of time. Uh, and then battery management uh, understanding has improved. So uh, now you have better batteries with better uh, uh, performance parameters based on how they have been managed through a controller uh, which is in the vehicle. And then uh, only a few vehicles have a lot more software. For example, the Aether vehicle has a pretty sophisticated software to give you a lot of uh, coverage of what's actually happening in the vehicle and where you are going. There are maps and so on which are present there. So those type of uh, things are, of course, additional. They are not necessarily required uh, features, but they are um, they are an added feature which are very attractive for some customers, uh, definitely. But the conventional automakers are probably uh, looking at stretching the the life cycle of the existing automaker autos automobiles. They are also in, interested in investing in these type of companies. So many of the startups may have investments from the uh, larger automakers also. For example, uh, Hero has a fairly large investment in Ether. So they have done that. Of course, Hero is already in electric vehicles, but they've also been major investors in Ether, which is working at the high end of uh, electric vehicles. Professor, as you uh, just mentioned, battery management is uh, is critical to electric vehicles. Our next question kind of uh, is in line with the same. Uh, one of the biggest challenges in e-vehicles is the battery pack, which is one of the most costly component of an electric vehicle. The sourcing of minerals and key components is also a challenge in India for, bat uh, for battery packs. Additionally, automobile manufacturing requires a well-developed ecosystem of component suppliers. What factors need to be addressed to develop them and the battery pack manufacturing capability, which can meet the performance needs of a 21st century vehicle? Well, batteries need not necessarily be manufactured in India. There is a fair amount of uh, competition in this market and there are companies which are selling batteries at very reasonable price. So you don't have to necessarily depend and be dependent on making batteries here in India. But what you need to make is the battery pack, which means you get the individual cells from 
let's say the most uh, efficient manufacturer in the world, but then how you pack it into a box in such a way that if the box doesn't get heated up, there is enough movement of the heat within the box uh, and uh, the way the batteries are arranged inside the box. That is something that uh, needs a lot of experimental work and that's the sort of work that uh, uh, companies like Ather have been doing. So when uh, they import the cells, but they actually make the battery pack themselves and they, uh, through their experimentation, they have been able to reduce the heat generated within the cell, making it much safer, making it much longer lasting, uh, making it much more efficient. So those are areas where uh, the improvements are possible. Making the cells requires you to have those minerals and chemicals and so on, which may may not be easy to source and you might have to depend on uh, external sources. So to, to say that uh, we can make the entire battery in India, I don't know for sure, but it may be a difficult proposition or it may be even if you are able to do it, it will be very expensive. So there are much more efficient factories elsewhere in the world where you can get these uh, components and uh, make the battery pack in India in a more efficient way. So that is your uh, IP. That is how you design the battery pack becomes your IP and uh, you can have a patent on that. But the cell itself may be an imported component. So that can work reasonably well. You don't have to necessarily make everything in India. Professor, one of the most exciting news this year was the uh, this year for the electric vehicle segment of the country uh, has been the the uh, registration of Tesla uh, and its plan to launch a slew of models for the Indian consumers. What do you think will be the impact of Tesla on the EV ecosystem in India? Do you think it can improve adoption of EVs in India? Well, uh, Tesla, the way it has been designed is uh, that uh, it it is the best possible electric vehicle you can make. So they have not compromised on any element of the vehicle uh, by saying that if we add these component or we make this change, the cost will go up. So the entire approach in Tesla is that you make the best possible vehicle that technology will allow you to make. And then even if it costs a lot of money, that is OK. You can price it in line with what you have created. So. Uh, when Tesla launched the product, obviously it was very expensive, but then some of those uh, costs have come down over a period of time and therefore the, they have some vehicles which are uh, cheaper than what they initially started with. But the entire approach has been to make the best possible vehicle and uh, therefore there will be a certain set of people who will go and buy that vehicle because they appreciate the fact that it is the best vehicle that is uh, possible in the electric vehicle uh, segment and uh, that's uh, so when they come into India of course it will there will be a slice of population who will uh, be attracted to the, that sort of a product and uh, will buy it and there are a lot of people who may not have thought of buying an electric vehicle because it represents a compromise from their point of view instead of buying the best possible petrol vehicle why should you buy a compromise uh, quality uh, or or a, or a uh, sort of a letdown type of a, uh, a lower level type of a vehicle um, because it happens to be electric vehicle. So there are a lot of people who wouldn't do that. But when it comes to Tesla, they will do it. They will see that it makes sense for them to go for the Tesla because it represents the best that is available in conventional petrol vehicles and something more that is available only in Tesla. So that really makes it a, a very attractive proposition from a typical uh, customer of a high-end uh, car. So that uh, will certainly happen. And uh, even for example, in the in a very highly developed uh, uh, four-wheeler market like Dubai, uh, when Tesla came in, there was an immediate uh, surge in demand for Tesla and a lot of people bought the vehicle. In fact, there was a waiting list and so on and then so there is clearly a very strong uh, affinity for uh, buying the Tesla product and that uh, in the luxury market segment uh, the Tesla will occupy some part of the market based on the performance of that uh, product. 
So that, uh, but in the lower end where there is a price sensitive customer who cannot afford the Tesla, that market will probably not be affected at all by Tesla's entry. It's like saying that uh, if BMW is available, will other vehicles not sell? That's not true. BMW will sell, other vehicles will also sell. So it's something similar to that out here. So the other electric vehicles which are in the 10 lakh uh, bracket will certainly sell uh, even if Tesla is available. So that uh, that competition is too far. So it's not really a problem from the current uh, electric vehicles company's point of view. The EV ecosystem has developed innovating, innovative business models like bus, battery as a service, EV leasing around the world, especially in the European and North American market. Given the nascent stage of the EV ecosystem in India, which business model will be effective for the Indian market given the cost sensitive nature and the high expectations of Indian consumers? So a lot of uh, companies have looked at battery swapping as, a, as something that they would like to make it uh, happen or they would like to make it viable. Uh, I personally believe it doesn't make much sense because swapping batteries is not an easy thing to do, uh, especially for a vehicle which has a very heavy battery. And uh, then you know you are always worried about the quality of the new battery which is being put in your vehicle and the you know your battery is being taken away so you are uh, basically uh, putting the customer in some sort of a, a tension about uh, what they are getting every time they swap a battery so battery swapping overall may work if, you, if it's a commercial operation and you are basically sending the vehicle uh, out for let's say six hour run or something and then it comes back you swap the battery and it goes out though so the batteries are owned by one entity and the vehicles are owned by the same entity. Uh, that's what uh, has been attempted in some places. But overall, it still doesn't make much sense. So what really uh, what has worked much better is where you have more vehicles and uh, you can actually switch the vehicle while one vehicle is charging, the other vehicle is being used. So instead of getting into the, all this trouble of swapping a battery, uh, if the vehicle itself can be uh, increased, the number of vehicles can be increased without increasing the number of drivers, then it works. So there is one company which has in, I think it's based in Gujarat, where uh, in, what they are doing is they are running the vehicle in a, a 16 hour uh, shift. That means it's a commercial vehicle. It's like a taxi. So it is being, it's a three wheeler uh, taxi. So what they do is they have, uh, the uh, they have three vehicles allotted to two drivers and basically each driver will drive the vehicle for about a few hours then bring the vehicle back to the charging station and take the next vehicle and then move and while one vehicle is being charged the other vehicle is being uh, applied so uh, by just having um, two drivers for three vehicles they are avoiding this entire idea of uh, swapping the battery but uh, because electric vehicles have subsidies, you know, the cost of the battery is covered by the subsidy to a large extent and then you can uh, you can buy more vehicles with subsidies. So overall, it seems to have made sense to that operator and that's why they're doing this and it uh, it's a, apparently a profitable way to go about it. So you might want to uh, uh, companies may want to look at other ways of looking at the same problem and see how to manage uh, uh, the battery charging period. So even if a battery takes six, five, six hours to charge, you can still have multiple vehicles to take care of that on rotation and you can work on it. When it comes to individual buyers, that's, that is not really a major issue because most people tend to charge the vehicle in the night and uh, in wherever they park it, they charge it. So the charging time is not really a major consideration unless you have been very careless and you have forgotten to charge the battery and the battery runs out when you when you approach the vehicle in the morning that happens uh, very rarely and it will happen only because of uh, you forgetting to uh, fix it, put it on the charger so that uh, is uh, not really a common requirement uh, that you have to go for fast charging or you have to go for charging within a short period of time. So 
for example, Ather has uh, put a large number of charging stations across the city in Bangalore. And uh, but they, what they find is that uh, 99 or 90, 90, 98% of people charge the vehicle only at home. They have the statistics to show that very large number of people charge the vehicle either at home or in office and they don't use the charging station. So all these charging stations which they have put up are highly underutilized uh, by their own uh, customers. It's just that uh, when, when you buy the vehicle, you want to know whether there are charging stations around uh, and unless you have charging stations, you would not decide not to buy it. But once you buy it, you realize that it doesn't make sense to use the charging stations at all. And it may, makes much more sense to charge the uh, vehicle at home. So that's how uh, this uh, uh, this has been working. So uh, the business models required for this, I don't think needs to be major, changed in any major way. Uh, battery swapping is probably a bad idea. But other than that, uh, not much needs to be done. It's just that uh, once you buy electric vehicle, you get into that discipline of um, charging it every day. And once you, that discipline sets in, you know, you are OK. Uh, you don't really uh, have to bother too much. So it's just that getting used to that activity may not be something that uh, is very common. So it may take some time, but that's how it works reasonably well. Professor, we did discuss about Tesla a little while ago, but we're still very curious about it. So there have been multiple players trying their luck in the EV segment, but none of them have been able to replicate the success of Tesla. Do you think Tesla is really a disruptor in the automobile segment and what do you attribute its success to? I would say I've already mentioned that. I think what Tesla has done is to come up with the best possible design by putting in a lot of resources in R&D on every component of the vehicle. So everything is completely self-designed. Every component of the vehicle is self-designed, starting from the battery to the battery management to every small part of the vehicle. Everything has been done with a lot of resources backing it. So, so they have not compromised on any aspect of the vehicle. And they have certainly not compromised on any aspect to reduce costs. So they have said we we will uh, spend as much as required. We'll make a vehicle which is very uh, very robust and long lasting and high performance. And uh, they have spent a lot of money to make the vehicle look good aesthetically, ergonomically, and so on. So all those efforts have been made uh, to make the best possible electric vehicle. And then uh, if it costs more, it costs more. And there are they, it is with the confidence that some people will be there who will buy such a vehicle, even if it's costly, is where they have started. Now, over a period of time, of course, when the sales are very high, the economy of scales will uh, kick in and uh, the costs will come down. But initially, it would be very expensive to start with, to do such a thing. Now, other companies have not done it that way. Uh, other companies have basically tried to um, at least to my knowledge, most of the other companies in this business have tried to re, uh, rework on their existing vehicles, which are petrol vehicles, and redo the inside of the vehicle to make it an electric vehicle. And they have been careful with costs. They know that they can't charge too much as a final price. So they have uh, worked around that and they have come up with reasonably good vehicles, which are acceptable in terms of quality they are um, they run very well and so on but they are not uh, necessarily in the luxury segment like uh, tesla is so that's how um, the other companies have worked so it's a very different approach i would say what tesla has done and what other companies have done is a very different approach just to give an example the first tvs vehicle which i mentioned in 2008 what they had done was they had taken the tvs scooty body and uh, inside of the body uh, where the engine is, you know, that part uh, they had uh, reworked on it and created. Uh, uh, they had done a very good job of redesigning the inside of the vehicle to accommodate the controller, the motor, uh, and the batteries inside the vehicle. Uh, but from the outside, the body of the vehicle was completely the TVS Scooty vehicle, which was a petrol vehicle, and the motor was inside the wheel. So. It was uh, the same body which had been used. So in terms of cost, it would have dramatically bring down, brought down the cost 
that they would have incurred in creating that vehicle. And uh, they were experimenting to see which one would work. And finally, they came up with this TVS model, which worked uh, TVS, uh, sorry, TVS Uti model, which worked very well. And they launched it in the market. Uh, however, it was not sustained. So uh, around one year later, when the sales were not very high, they, uh, they took it off the market. But um, it was this the attempt was to use existing body or existing uh, design and retrofit the electric parts into that. That's something that many other companies may have also done in, in creating electric vehicles. But uh, uh, Tesla basically started as a complete from scratch uh, design for a, a full fledged vehicle. So that's what uh, Tesla has done differently, I would say. Um, other than that, I don't see um, it, it's not uh, it's a disruptor in the sense that it is uh, it has sort of proven that electric vehicles are a viable option. Um, which was not the case earlier. So a lot of people used to look at electric vehicles as a compromise option, not really uh, the, the best option when you're thinking of buying a, a, a car. But now Tesla has made it that way. Yes, sir, our next question to you is as a user of an electric vehicle. So we have seen you riding Aether's electric vehicle on campus. How has been your experience of owning an electric vehicle in India? And do you think we are on the right path to attain the aspirational targets as, as set by the government of India? Well, the Aether is actually uh, my, I would say, the third vehicle that I bought, uh, electric vehicle. The first one was the Eco Vehicles uh, two-wheeler, which I bought in 2005. And then I, have, um, I bought the TVS uh, electric vehicle in 2008. Uh, both those, uh, uh, the, uh, the 2005 product has, of course, not uh, survived. It is now broken. But the 2008 uh, TVS product is still working. If uh, There are some nitty-gritty issues with it, but over a 12-13 year period, it has still been working and I am still able to use the product. But uh, I bought the Aether in 2019, when it, when it around six months after it was launched. Because what I realized is that uh, compared to the earlier products which I have seen, and I did consider buying the Hero product at some point in time, but I decided not to. But when the Aether product came, I realized that uh, they had done a pretty good job in terms of designing the product. And then, then the, I didn't buy it immediately. I waited for six months to check out what the reports were like. Uh, Aether had a forum uh, on their website where there were a lot of interaction between early users. So that gave me the confidence that this is a worthwhile vehicle. So the issue with uh, for me was that some of the vehicles that were released earlier were actually compromised vehicles in the sense that either the the body was you know, not very strong or the uh, you know the engine was mismatched in the sense that it was low powered or the batteries would run out very fast. So there were various types of issues with vehicles till then. But almost all these issues have been solved by Aether very comprehensively. So you have a battery pack which is long lasting. You have a, a vehicle which is very well balanced and uh, um, with, with very, uh, very good handling. You also have uh, a battery management system which is very good. So uh, all the nitty-gritty issues that were problematic for most of the other products in the market, uh, they have been very effectively solved in the Aether product. Uh, and, and that's why the Aether seems to be you know, doing something very similar to what uh, Tesla was trying to do uh, or Tesla did. So the same approach, they said that we will come up with the best possible configuration, even if it costs a lot more to make it. And then, of course, they had uh, their price was much higher than the rest of the market, uh, but still there were a sufficient number of buyers to, to buy the product and to popularize it. So that approach, I think, is uh, what has helped uh, Ether um, do well. And uh, that's also the appeal of the vehicle in the sense that when you buy it, you realize that they, the company has not made any compromise on any, any element of the product. Of course, because every element is new, there will be some nitty-gritty issues, some 
some things may not work as they are designed some things may fail but those have been very rapidly corrected based on the feedback and based on the interactions you know, people have seen on the forum so that's how uh, it has worked well on a parting note uh, we just want to pick your brain on uh, this important question that what do you think tesla or any other player of the ev segment needs to succeed in india which kind of also includes pushing the adoption of e mobility in the country yeah so uh, as i said uh, already the lot of uh, low end uh, introductions were actually responsible for uh, creating a problem in this market so there were a number of entries for example when eco vehicles came in eco vehicles was probably the best that could could be done at that point in time i'm talking of 2005 uh that was the best vehicle available uh, at that point in time they had come up with a reasonably good configuration for the market and they had released it in bangalore now new companies came in in other parts of the country which imported cheap kits from uh, china uh, prices were half of that of the eco vehicles product for example eco vehicles was 30000 there were products launched with a 15000 price point but these were uh, heavily compromised products in the sense that they were not really very effective so there was a vehicle which would run for about 10 uh, which would have a running uh, duration of about 15 to 20 kilometers and run at a speed of 15 kilometers per hour so these are not really very effective vehicles and a lot of people started believing that electric vehicles are compromised products they are not really useful products people who bought them had to sort of dump it because nobody was willing to buy the second hand vehicle also so that this was the situation for for quite some time and that is what actually depressed the market to a large extent and even when a company like tvs brought out a good quality product in 2008 the market didn't pick it up because they had thought that you know all electric vehicles are uh, compromised products they are not good so uh, that said sort of depressed the market overall it's only in the recent past when uh, lithium ion batteries have come in which uh, which give you a longer range higher power uh, better performance and uh, with with not too long charging times then the equation has changed and now there are much better products in the market and uh, uh, even uh, there of course there are the cheaper products are still there but there are now better options available and the market is able to distinguish between good options bad options and then migrate towards the better options still people do ask questions as to why the this product is so expensive especially when you compare it with the petrol uh, vehicle prices uh, the electric vehicles are far more expensive but then people have realized that uh, given the lower running costs uh, electric vehicles make a good option so a typical petrol vehicle uh, would require multiple servicing lots of things to be changed things wear out things have to be uh, there are too many uh, parts inside which need to be fixed whereas electric vehicles are far far more simpler you know for example the ather vehicle which i bought in 2009 has not gone for servicing at all uh, it need not it did, it did not need any servicing in the last one and a half years um, it runs uh, pretty well so so that's the sort of uh, uh, product you have so you could uh, switch and you can figure out that it's a good option and the same thing is happening in the electric uh, three wheeler market also companies have realized that a electric three wheeler can be a good option compared to running a petrol auto rickshaw for example in the four wheeler segment it's it's a bit difficult because four wheelers are expected to be used uh, to go from one city to another and that's where it doesn't work very well and people don't want to buy necessarily an expensive vehicle which is not which has lower utility and that's where the switchovers have been fewer but uh, if tesla product comes in then uh, it uh, becomes a good option also okay so um, what really is required is high quality products in the market not necessarily looking at the indian market as something that will only buy cheap products or being price sensitive so the, there is a price sensitive segment but that price sensitive segment is better off buying a petrol vehicle 
when it comes to electric vehicles, uh, the best that you can do is what may be required in this market, because otherwise the market uh, rejects the product saying that this is uh, this is a waste of money. I don't even have a resale value and so on. Uh, Ather, for example, has said that you can return your vehicle in three years and we'll give you this much money. Uh, they have set it upfront. So if you buy a vehicle today, you can return it for a particular price point as long as you meet certain, you know, you're not used it excessively. There is some mileage limit that they have fixed, which is pretty, pretty uh, good. Uh, and if it's within that mileage limit, we'll buy it at this price. Okay. If it's more than that mileage limit, they will, they might reduce the price. But what they have said essentially is that there is a clear resale value for the product. Now that actually enables you to go to a uh, to somebody and ask for a loan uh, because when when somebody is giving you a loan against a vehicle, they they should they should see a resale value for that vehicle. Suppose they impound the vehicle and they are not able to sell it, then they will not be willing to even finance the vehicle. So that's been another issue uh, because. Uh, Two wheeler, uh, two wheelers, and three uh, have not had a good resale value. Even the Reva has very, has had a slightly lower resale value than a typical car, and that has been an issue for financing the vehicle. Now, uh, with this type of a promise saying that there, there is a clear cut resale value, you can return the vehicle back to the company. The company will take it back. Means that anybody should be willing to finance these vehicles, and therefore the vehicle market will become bigger so um, so that has already happened at least for the ether product i'm sure it will happen for the tesla and other products also over a period of time and then once uh, auto financing comes in people are more willing to buy uh, they know that there is a resale value they will uh, their migration will uh, happen Thank you, Professor Ganesh Prabhu, for your time. This was a very interesting and thought-provoking discussion. It was a pleasure to host you for this IMB podcast episode. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. So that's it from the IMB podcast today. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Do send in your comments, feedback, and suggestions, and we'll be happy to read them. Have a great day ahead. <laughs>